0: What is up, college lacrosse fans? You are watching another episode of the Lax Factor podcast. This week was the lacrosse quarterfinals, the best lacrosse you're going to see all year because we have nothing but the cream of the crop left. So we're going to get into what happened in all of those games. Before I do, as always, be sure to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell. Liking the video, subscribing to the video, it'll help us do better over time. It's the best way to support us. If you want to pick up some swag, you can see pictures of the swag over here. You can go to Lax Factor factor.com you can get yourself some t-shirts, coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff. We have things like these uh, Rampage Lacrosse shorts there, all sorts of cool t-shirts and other things. So do that. I digress. Actually, hold on, one more thing I forgot. Uh if you want to be entered to win the America fuck yeah. Uh, Penny here, uh, just comment down below, say any any comment about the game or about the upcoming um, uh, Memorial Day weekend lacrosse action, any re- legitimate comment will get you entered to win this jersey, which we'll do the drawing for on Thursday and announce the winner on Thursday's preview show. I digress. Let's get into this. The Last Factor Podcast. Okay, so the first game of the weekend, it was Maryland against Virginia. A crazy game, an overtime game. Uh, Three of the four games this weekend went into overtime and would be classified as crazy. The Maryland-Virginia game, no different. Keys initially for Maryland to win this game. They pretty much had to play perfect. They had to win uh, the face-off battle. They had to play solid defense. They did all of those things. They played perfect for 55 minutes, just about. Uh, At the face-off dot, Petey Lasala of Virginia, he murked. Maryland he goes 17 to 25 for him 19 of 28 for UVA total so Maryland they held their own initially but over the fourth quarter they lost 7 uh they lost 7 to 1 uh, in terms of faceoffs over the course of that fourth quarter, and that cost them heavily as part of Virginia's comeback. With the ground ball battle between the boxes, once again, they did well. Maryland did well against UVA for 55 minutes, and that fourth quarter, the really the last eight minutes, five minutes of the fourth quarter, Maryland kind of fell apart, and it, it went downhill from there. They did win the turnover battle. That just didn't matter. But Maryland won that turnover battle 18 uh, 14 with UVA. They outshot UVA in terms of actual shots on cage. Four, three quarters, but got outshot seven to two over the course of the fourth in terms of shots on goal. So that's huge. So they, and, and then we, we know, we all know about the bad call. We all know what happened with that. I'm not even going to get into that. I already did a video about that, that you can check out earlier about the bad call. But I mean, the reality here, here, Maryland had a 12, seven lead with 9:23 left in the fourth when Ryan Conrad scored a man up goal to get Virginia back to within four. So that was a huge turning point in this game. And Maryland held, they, they continued to hold. They held a 12-8 lead right up to the 325 mark where Ryan Conrad scored again to make it 12-9. And then the wheels fell off from there. 325, Conrad scores to make it 12-9. 20 seconds later, Laviano scores 12-10. And then we go 24 seconds later, Ryan Conrad again, 12-11 with 241 left. And then Michael Krause scores the goal that wasn't. With 114 remaining, which tied it up. You guys know the rest. But game goes into overtime, and Kraus-Temore, to That is the ball game in overtime. Surprises? One of the things I thought was, I, I, I felt like uh, Maryland was going to have a harder time clearing the ball, and they didn't. UVA's ride is brutal, and Maryland did a pretty good job. That was one of the reasons they hung in this game. They did a really good job clearing the ball. They went 20 to 24. I think they only failed to clear, one clear per quarter. Uh, and it wasn't like the clears uh, all came at the end where they failed them. They, they only failed one clear over the course of the fourth, I think, even. Uh, another surprise was UVA murking Maryland as badly as they did at the faceoff dot. I did not expect for La to just wreck Maryland and for UVA as a team to wreck Maryland at the faceoff dot. I thought that Henningsen and and uh, Shockey were going to be able to hold their own in that battle, and they did not. And then another surprise was Maryland, despite being outshot 43 27, they put 18 shots on cage to UVA's 22 shots on cage. So even though they got outshot in terms of the quality shots, they only got outshot by four. Um, Four uh, shots, and they were actually a little bit more efficient in that regard in terms of shooting percentage. Um, you know, turning points in the game as we as we rip through here. Laviano scored a goal from Krauss with 43 seconds left in the first quarter. That was Maryland's first defensive breakdown. Then Laviano from Conrad with five seconds left in the uh, second. That was another big breakdown. Uh, they gave up three goals over 44 seconds. You uh, know, in the in the fourth quarter, that was. A deal breaker. So a lot of, a lot of just the wheels coming off for Maryland at key points at the end of the game, at the end of quarters, at the end of the game. Don't blame the officials, though. As we as we said in another video, don't blame the officials. They had a five goal lead in the fourth. They blew it. They had a four goal lead with under three minutes to play. They blew it. Players of the game, Conrad, Ryan Conrad, senior year. Uh, his you know, could have been his last game, but it wasn't. He goes four goals and assists. Michael Kraus, a goal and four assists. Laviano, three goals. Bernhardt, four and one. Uh, uh, yeah. So Bernhardt from Maryland goes four and one. He had an excellent game. Uh, Anthony DeMayo, four goals. Wisnowskis two and two, and Danny Dolan, nine saves. Dolan, he, one of my my keys uh in the preview show uh on Thursday was that Dolan had to have 15 saves to win this game. He didn't. 9 saves. He played terrible down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh that did not help Maryland at all. It wasn't the why they lost, but it didn't help. Uh in closing, I think that the the bad calls, I think they kind of canceled each other out. You could make the argument Maryland lost the bad call battle 2 to 1, but I'm not Putting, we're not even going to talk about the, the bad uh, goal call here since we already did. If you want to see me talk about and cuss about the bad goal, goal call, uh, go back and watch a video that I put out uh, Sunday morning early here. You can see that on the YouTube. I'll put a link to it up here if I remember to also. Um, and then key for UVA in the next round, they're going to need more Docs Aitken. Aitken was quiet. What he finish with here? I think uh, Aiken only had two goals, or maybe he was one and one on the day. They need more Docs Aiken. I, d- I didn't hear his name nearly enough. He-, he did scrap quite a bit between the boxes, picked up some ground balls, but I want to see him do a little bit more offensively. And I think they'll need that in this uh, upcoming week uh, against Duke. Uh, but otherwise, it was an in- incredible game. And uh, then that takes us into the next. Incredible game in bonkers game that we had uh on on, on Saturday. Notre Dame, number the seven-seed Notre Dame against the two-seed Duke. Another game that went into overtime. And this one, this was a game of runs. And it was almost annoying that the run, the way the runs worked, but Duke comes out hot. They go up four zip. Manown Smith and Lowry scored two of them. Manown Smith and then Lowry had two over that stretch. Then it's Notre Dame's turn. They come out. They go on a four-goal run. Willits scores the first and the fourth. Garnsey scored a highlight reel goal, his first of the day, tiptoeing one uh, into the goal on a really excellent, uh, just a, a great dodge, a bonkers dodge. And then Boys he scored one of the one of those four over that stretch. And then, so that's 4-4 here, and, and things are looking good again. Duke then goes on another run. Once again, I'm thinking, oh, this is it. This is, this is the run. Duke goes, uh, they score three unanswered. Nakai Montgomery goes one and one over that stretch. Then it was Notre Dame's turn. Boom, three more out of Notre Dame. Garnsey scores two of those three. Once again, both highlight real goals. One of them, a sick dive from up the right side, flipped it in backhanded. It was was just beautiful. And uh, that knots things up again at seven up here this time. And then once again, Duke's turn, three-goal run, 10-7 lead, Quigley, Manown, and Carpenter. And then, ooh, we had some goals exchanged. Notre Dame, Duke exchange goals. Hallenbeck off a fast break from uh, Timmy Phillips, and then uh, Carpenter uh, scores one from Seau. So we are back to... 11-8, uh, I think, here at this point. And then Notre Dame scores four straight, and they actually took their first lead off back-to-back goals by Brian Costabile. Garnsey went one and one over that stretch, and, and Costabile scored two goals over that stretch, giving Notre Dame their first lead of the game. That was a, a huge turning point in this game, as Duke kept having an answer to everything that Notre Dame had thrown at them, and except for this time, and Notre Dame takes the lead. Uh, but then Duke decides, ah, we're, we're going to have our, our game of runs here. They score the next two to take the lead back 13-12. Brian Willits tied it on a, a sweet play. Garnsey fed Willits on the, uh, Garnsey was on the crease on a man up play. Ball comes in from out top. They hit Garnsey. Garnsey sees that Willits all by himself on goal line extended and just boots it right down to Willits on the crease. Willets has a little bit of time and then sticks one uh, near pipe. Really, really nice finish by Willets. actually. So it's OT. We're going another game, second game of the, of the weekend, second game of that first day is going to OT. Duke won the OT faceoff. They got a couple shots off and, you know, missed a cage. I think Manown missed one wide. Joe Robertson, Dodges with the shot clock running out on their first possession in overtime. Joe Robertson dodges up the left side from behind, takes an awkward shot, kind of off balance. It takes a, it's slow, almost a change up, takes a odd bounce and then scores it. And Schmidt was insanely upset. Tough shot to let go in, in overtime to lose the game and to end your season. Um, But that's the ball game. Robertson scored a really nice goal and, um, you know, Duke uh, does it again here? And, and that, that that's my game. I got this one wrong here. I picked Notre Dame in overtime. I was right that it did go to overtime, but it was Duke that came out here. Garnsey played off the chain, four goals, two assists. He caused matchup problems all day for Duke, and I was surprised. he was He's, he's almost impossible to game, game plan for. Uh, both Van Raphorst and Giles Harris took shots at him, and Garnsey went to the rack on both of them. I'm not sure if he scored on them, but he made both of them look silly at times. Nakai Montgomery's uh, evolution as a player just com- continues to improve. The kid's become legitimately cerebral to the point where he's dodging and he's picking his spots on the field to dodge from, and then he's hitting guys. He goes for a goal with four helpers. That was big. He's learning to manipulate the defenses, and that's huge in his evolution. He's going to be huge moving forward here. He's kind of their their spring legend here is, is what's, what's happening. He had a, an amazing playoff run last year, and he's doing it again, and Duke needs for him to do it again. Uh, Duke held Costabile. In check for three quarters he only had an assist through three quarters but then he goes two and one over the fourth quarter which was what helped Notre Dame get their first lead and and force overtime in this um Schmidt he made three really nice nice saves over the fourth quarter to help Notre Dame chip back and not let Duke bury them in regulation. And that was pretty big. So three nice saves over the fourth. That was a 5-2 stretch uh, where Notre Dame outscored Duke 5-2 to two over that stretch. So without those saves, Notre Dame does not force overtime. So Schmidt did play a hell of a game. This wasn't a weekend for goalies for sure. But it doesn't mean that the goalies didn't play well. It's just the offensive firepower in all of the games this weekend was off the charts. Great uh, 50-50 battle at the faceoff dot between Leonard and Stein. They pretty much split for the most part. And uh, so that, that didn't really play in the game overall. Both guys did well. Uh, players of the game, Montgomery one and four CJ Carpenter for Duke three and one Joe Robertson for Duke, three goals for Notre Dame Garnsey, four and two Costabile two and two and Brian Willett's three goals. The game was like the crazy girlfriend that we all had in high school. That was just all over the place. You know, one day she was awesome. The next day she was a nut job, uh, high on emotion and excitement, just like all of our high school girlfriends and just enough scoring to keep things rolling. But it- despite all the scoring in the first day, the first two games this day, there was defense played and there was some good defense played. There was some good goalkeeping. So all weekend, the games were offensive, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't defense played. I've seen a lot of people talk about talk about it like that, and I don't think that's the case. So Duke, UVA, we have an ACC semifinal on one side of the bracket. I will make predictions on Thursday uh, for these games here, but I think that Duke is just going to have to play more consistent, uh, because th- this isn't going to fly against Virginia, I don't think. And Virginia, like I said, they just need more Docs Aiken, and they need to continue to hustle and, and, and play solid for 60 minutes. We move on to today's games. We have Pat Spencer rocking out, rocking it out like crazy against Penn State. Number eight, Loyola against number one, Penn State. Spencer proved that he's the alpha amongst alphas for sure. He puts up six goals and five assists in this game. He played off the charts all day. He bullied his way to all of those points for certain. Uh so but that eleven points just isn't enough as Penn State still beats him 21-14. This is the only not close game of the of the tournament of the weekend. Um, but it was still, it w- don't let the score fool you. It was a great game. Mac O'Keefe, he goes for nine goals on the day. That kid, I'm telling you, he's the best off-ball attackman in the country. The kid can score goals from all over and he doesn't stick corners all the time. He he puts the ball where the ball needs to be. He's, he has an uncanny ability at putting the ball past the goalie. He doesn't shoot the lacrosse ball. He shoots lacrosse balls around goalkeepers. So I love uh, uh, Mac O'Keefe's game. He goes for nine goals. Grant Amat, one and eight. It was an easy one and eight. I hate saying this about Amet, but a lot of his assists are just like the the last assist that he had to O'Keefe was all Amet literally just stood in place. O'Keefe set a pick. Kind of rolled off his own pick that he had set and got himself open. hits Hit so many scores. So I marvel at Penn State's ability to just make offense look so easy. They, I mean, they do their fair share of dodging and creating, but a lot of their off ball scheming is just great. Or these guys are just great at getting open because they make a lot of defense. It makes a lot of teams look like they're playing really bad defense. And maybe that's part of the case, but why? It can't be all the time, you know. Team they Penn State just shreds people off ball all the time, and it's not always a failure of the defense. I think a lot of credit just has to go to have to go to guys like O'Keefe that are just incredible off ball players and just know where to be on the field to get open and get their hands free and get shots off. Penn State scored all over the place. They they lit it up all over. I'll go through here in a bit all the guys that scored goals for them. Arseri was key. Twenty two of thirty six face offs over Loyola's Bailey uh, Savio. Savio played good last weekend. Uh, not. Not so much against Arseri today. Arseri is going to be key here in this next matchup against Yale. Um, so key player Spencer goes for six goals, five assists. Loyola usual suspects were kind of quiet. Duffy Olmstead and Wigley all put up uh, three goals. Uh, Scanlon only had a goal, so he was quiet on the day. Grant Ament one and eight. O'Keefe nine goals. Jack Kelly had a big day for Penn State, four goals and an assist. So great game. Just too much Penn State for Loyola in the end. Stover actually put up, you know, Jake Stover, Jacob Stover put up a a good effort in cage for Loyola in his final game of his career, but it's just Penn State's filthy, and it's just tough to play against them for 60 minutes is, is really what it comes down to. The final game of the weekend, another freaking overtime battle, number five, Yale uh 19 number 4 pen 18 Yale TD Erlin and Yale get revenge on Kyle Gallagher and Penn. and they edged this one out in overtime uh the it didn't disappoint either the face off battle between Gallagher and Erlin was incredible TD was 22 of 40, but more importantly, he, he controlled the face-off draws that he won. He got those to the offensive end of the field, and they turned into offensive possessions for Yale. That was the big difference in this game compared to past games. They caused him to, for, uh, uh, to turn the ball over a lot, even after he won draws in the first two meetings, and he did not do that today. He took care of the ball. Gallagher was 19 of 40. Nothing to hang your head about there. He actually had a goal as well. Gallagher did. Erlin had no points. Yale did a good job of limiting Penn's transition. It doesn't sound like it, you know, nineteen eighteen and overtime. It does not. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of defense was played. But Yale, all things considered, did a good job of slowing down Penn's offense because Penn is deadly on offense, and they've got they got a fair amount of possessions out of this. So Yale needed to do something on uh, uh, to kind of slow them down and to take a little bit of their game away. And I think they did a good job there in transition. A lot of six on six goals over the course of this game. Jack Star, rough day still gets to win in cage. Uh, but Reed Junkin, he stood on his head. Granted, he gave up 19 goals, but he faced 33 shots, made 14 saves. So Reed Junkin, uh, a four-year starter for Penn, has a great career, had a great game. One thing I was surprised about, Simon Matthias on a couple occasions made Chris Fake look silly. Early in the game specifically, he had a three-goal, two-assist day. Matthias looked great, one of the most underrated attackmen in the country. They kept saying that in a telecast, and I have to agree. I've seen Penn play a lot, and Matthias is incredible. Uh, And they had talked about how he's not necessarily, you don't always see it in the stat sheets, but I I saw him being incredible in all the games I watch Penn play on the stat sheet, you know, on top of it here. Yale edged Penn in all of the key categories. faceoffs, offs 22-19. Ground balls, 35-28. One less turnover. Seven more shots on goal. Yale, they played a solid game from start to finish. It started with Erlen, but they finished it in all areas. Jackson Morrill, four goals, three assists. That was the game they needed him to play. They needed him to be the alpha in this game, and he was. Lucas Kotler, four goals and assist for Yale. Brandau, not scoring goals, but one and three for Yale. Matt Brandau was. Simon Matthias, 3-2, like I said. Bartolo and Lully. Bartolo's a big boy for Penn. He's a nice-looking lacrosse player. He goes for 3-1, Lully also. And then Dunn and Goldner, they each go for three goals each. In closing, it was a great game. Start to finish. Tons of offense. Not terrible on defense. There was some defensive highlights, too. But uh, Penn State's just got a tough draw. Or, or uh, yeah, Penn State's going to be a tough draw for Yale here. Uh, but, oddly enough, Yale... Um, I can't remember here now. I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Did Yale beat Penn State or did Penn State beat Yale? I want to say that Yale gave Penn State their only loss of the game for a year so far. Yes, that is true. And I want to say that TD Erland murked Gerard Ar- Arsari in that game. One thing I don't think we'll see this time is I don't think we'll see Erlen completely murk Arsari like he did last time. Um, and I think that I don't know. It's going to be a tough game. Uh this is the I actually thought Loyola at one point during the game was going to have a good shot against Yale, didn't or against uh, Penn State didn't work out that way. Yale if anybody can beat Penn State, it's going to be Yale. I actually liked uh, Penn's chances also, but I think that this is where Penn State got screwed in their bracket. I think they have the tougher game here in the semis than say Virginia or Duke either of them do. I mean, you got to play Penn or Yale. Teams that can control the faceoff x like that, and and Yale and T D. Erland, they're going to control the faceoff x. So I think that's a rough draw. And if any, like I said, that Kyle Gallagher was T D. Erland's kryptonite. I think Yale is obviously. Um, Penn State's uh, kryptonite. And in terms of just limiting their possessions, nobody can do that like Yale can. Um, that, that's going to be it, though. I think I kind of ran a little bit long here. We will uh, probably put up a couple more short shows here over the next day or two. So be sure to check back. If you want to support us, as always, share this video, like this video, su- subscribe to the channel. If you want to get some swag, go to laxfactor.com forward slash shop or just laxfactor.com. That works too. If you want a shot at winning the penny, uh, this is from tribe lacrosse.com. You can go and check out all their pennies and their shorts and their t-shirts at tribe lacrosse.com. But if you want to win this one, we're going to announce the winner on Thursday. Just comment down below, make it thoughtful. Don't say I'm the first or whatever. It has to be a legit comment about the, about the games uh, to be played or the games that were just played. And as always, thank you for watching. Best of luck to everyone this week. Enjoy.